Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and that sometimes messy thing we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit PhotographersEdit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we are back for another episode. Uh, it is a little bit of a crazy week. I just got back in from California, and this is almost like a reprieve to be able to sit down and have a conversation. And I'm having a conversation today with a new guest, Nathan Armstrong. Great uh, first name, by the way, Nathan. Well, yeah, I, when I when I followed the Boca Podcast and I and I saw your handle in in the bio, I uh, I was like, wow, you know, I need to reach out to this guy just just for namesake, if nothing else. <laughs> Hundred percent. Well, and we're actually. Are you actually based in Nashville? I'm based in Memphis, actually. Okay. So we're in we're in Nashville quite a bit for work, but uh, based based in Memphis. Okay. So. I actually had the chance to go to Memphis not very long ago with my son. Um, I hadn't been in years, and to be honest, my my first impression ever of Memphis wasn't that great. Uh, I went back with my son a few months ago, and I I was really impressed. Like it's got so much character. I love the waterfront. We were there for a concert just very briefly, but I had it was a nice time. It was. It, it's it's come back a lot, especially in the downtown area in the past few years. And, yeah. But we, we love it, and, and it kind of has a, a small-town feel to it. Uh, we live in one of the suburbs, but obviously we're in the city quite a bit for work and that sort of thing, and uh, we, we love it. So we, we enjoy traveling quite a bit, and you know it's nice to get out, but we, we love coming back home. So. That's cool. Well, yeah, it actually reminds me of Chattanooga a bit and with the waterfront, certainly not a real big downtown. So it's not overwhelming. And to your point about the development in Memphis, we've seen a similar thing here in Chattanooga and it just makes it a really cool place to, to hang out. So anyway, I was, I was impressed. I had to comment on that, but you said we, um, you're married, correct? And your wife's name is Laura. I am. Yes. We got married last May. So we've been married a little over a year. And she runs a wedding photography business full time, and so we kind of we kind of separated our our kind of tasks a little bit in the business. When when we got married, we were kind of both doing everything, and um, she kind of runs the the wedding stuff full time, and I second shoot with her. But uh, I, I'm kind of focusing on the entertainment side of things, obviously. So uh, it's a lot of fun to, to kind of be able to talk shop with, with your, your spouse. So it is, I mean, there's, there's the relatability factor there, which plays a huge role in relationships, right? You can relate on a particular topic, especially as big a one as your career. But I think it's nice too, to have some variety and the fact that you're, you have your hands, you each have your hands in a different genre is really great. But you mentioned entertainment photography, and that is what we're going to be delving into today. We haven't really touched much on entertainment photography on the Boca podcast, 300 plus episodes. Uh, so I appreciate you making time to come on and share with us today. And let's just kind of jump right in. And I think this is very relevant to our conversation currently to talk about brand position. Um, you are in the Memphis area, which has pretty significant musical history from what I understand um, and not very far away from Nashville. You, you talked about spending time in Nashville as well. 
how do you differentiate yourself from other photographers in the entertainment side of things, particularly music or, or band or concert photography? Uh, what is your business's brand position? Yeah, for us, you know, Nathan, it's it's really three things. And those things we've kind of developed over the past five years and, and their speed, trust, and relentless consistency. And you know, speed is really just the fact that we provide live coverage of large scale music and entertainment events across the U.S. And the trust, you know, we've worked really hard and continue to work hard to build trust with promoters and artists and uh, creative directors uh, in the music industry. And then, you know, relentless consistency that for that, just it's really the, no simply no excuses. And, you know, no matter what the roadblock or speed bump is that gets thrown in front of us, we deliver every time. And people have come to expect that from us, which is fun. And, you know, we, we have, you know, sub points and those things that kind of drive the, the vision home. But that's kind of the, the 15 second answer there. No, I, I love it, actually. The, I'm, I'm a huge fan of somebody's ability to be able to be concise in the way that they communicate. Um, it's, it's a weakness of mine, actually, at, at times. But the way that you're particularly the way you're able to communicate what your brand stands for, it's so important that we're able to do that as photographers in a very succinct manner. Because nobody, and, and I'm continuing to be re, continue to be reminded of of this very fact. Even again, in the way that I communicate with others, people just don't have time these days, and it's not necessarily anything personal. You know, they're distracted. There are a million other things going on. Um, they've, in, in the case of photography, if somebody's searching for a photographer, there's photographers are a dime a dozen these days, and right. so we need to be able to effectively communicate what how we are different and truly different. Um, than our so-called competition, the people around us, the photographers around us. And so I love the specificity and again, just how concise you were. I'd like to go back to this though. You talked about speed, um, live coverage. When you, when you're delivering that live coverage, are you then handing images over right away to that band or to whoever's in charge of that particular event? Yeah. So in the beginning, you know, we were kind of, there was a handful of us, and I say us photographers in the industry that were able to edit and go to social in under five to 10 minutes. So the photo would get shot and we would edit it uh, and then it would go to social or to whoever's running the social in five to 10 minutes. So that was kind of how we got our foot in the door in the industry. And now that we're doing award shows with live TV broadcasts, the the game is to keep up with, with the TV broadcast really. And you know, you you have a window, you know, obviously you're not going to have the photo up of a live broadcast the moment that it happens, but you've kind of got a window of relevancy, if you will, where that image has to go out inside that window, or you've kind of lost the, the attention to it. And so speed is, is super important. It's kind of the thing that got us in the door, you know, before you have those relationships, you kind of have to have something that that sets you apart. And that was, that was one of the things that, that we were able to bank on. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, competing with the TV cameras, that's, it's that become a little bit stressful knowing that that's your competition. I mean, the fact that you have to take something that's a still image on a card and transfer that to whoever the, the end client is that you're competing with something as immediate as the TV cameras, or does it just become kind of the norm? No, I, it's definitely stressful, especially when you're doing something as big as an award show. Uh, because, you know, they'll they'll hire two to three photographers to come in and, you know, two to three editors, an editor per photographer. And, you know, you you and your teammates, that's that's their that's where they're getting their, their content from. And so yeah. 
if you don't deliver, they're not going to have content. And so it, I, I joke with Laura, she comes with me to edit when we do award shows. Okay. And, and, uh, she, I, I joke that it's more stressful on her because she's the one who has to edit it. You know, I, I just shoot it like I would anything else. And she's the one who has to turn it around. But yeah, it, it can, it can get stressful, but you know, if you stay caught up, that's, that's the thing getting behind is where you get kind of in a mess. Oh, I can only imagine. Well, and I have to give context to this conversation, um, further context, I should say, and share your, your Instagram account. So if everybody listening in, if you just go to Nathan Armstrong, all one word, just like it sounds, uh, you can see examples, beautiful examples, uh, at that of Nathan's work. Um, and it really is, it's wonderful. And I love the variety of it too, and the combination of color and black and white, um, and then, of course, highlighting your relationship with Laura as well. It's it's really, really lovely account. So we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. You talked about trust. How do you, I mean, we're talking about the idea of building trust. It's ultimately really rooted in a, in a strong relationship, right? So how do you go about developing relationships with people who are used to having somebody try to, uh, well, develop a pseudo relationship for the sake of business, right? How do you, how do you kind of weed through that and develop genuine relationships? Yeah. And I'll go back to the podcast on this. Uh, you know, you did a episode with Chris Evans a couple weeks ago that I listened to when I was traveling last week and his points were spot on. Hmm. Uh, you know, I, I was listening to that and I actually, I actually sent it to a couple of friends to listen to, you know, he's in Maui and, and he's got a, a really successful wedding business. And he talked about creating genuine personal relationships yeah. with his clients and, and with vendors in Maui. And that's really been, you know, from what I heard, the key to his success. And I think it works the same way in the entertainment industry. You know, I, for me, trust is really made up of character and, and that competency we talked about. And so, you know, competency is really just, we deliver what the client wants when they want it with that relentless consistency that we talked about. And then, you know, character is just they they'll never have to worry about putting us in high pressure situations like we talked about delivering speed and you know that also includes you know for these award shows and things they can put us in front of an a-list celebrity or an a-list talent and not have to worry about you know us doing something stupid yeah and that 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 will you know tarnish the relationship that they have with the talent and so, you know, I think over time, it, being put in those situations and consistently delivering and consistently, um, you know, show, showing that competency and character uh, is, is how we kind of build that. But I definitely think that genuine word is, is good because, you know, going out to dinner with people who you do work with, for me, is super important because I want to know, you know, how their kids are and how their families are and and those things and and really have those genuine relationships beyond just work. But I I love how underlying what you do, I mean, it's been become clear immediately in our conversation, underlying what you do are values, like having a set of values and and you, I mean, to keep things as simple as possible on a day-to-day basis. I mean, there seems like there's so much to keep up with in our business and it seems like it might be complicated at times, but the reality is, if we just simply have a solid set of values that drives everything that we do, that makes all the difference in the world. Um, and it's funny how something as simple as being consistent uh, in the way that we engage with others or consistent in the way that we take care of a client. We don't make excuses in the end. Our focus is on serving that client and making sure they're taken care of. 
simple things like this, it, it seems like it would be obvious, but it's not, unfortunately. And, and I love that you, that at the center of what you're doing are these very simple yet powerful values that, that drive what you do. Yeah. And, and I think like you, like you mentioned, it, it makes it a lot easier to make decisions because you've got a, you've got an outline, you know, whenever that you run every decision through so true. and, uh, keeps it consistent. Yeah. So. You know, I, I'm, I may, I've mentioned this in the podcast before. I'm a pretty emotional guy and, um, to, just to kind of further be a little bit uh, more open here, I've struggled with the process of making choices over the years and it's, I can you know, trace it back to my childhood and the way that I was raised and, um, and, and not only that, the kind of religious environment that I was brought up in and the idea of making a choice became this very stressful thing in which I didn't have a lot of confidence. And one of the things that I've come back to on a very simple level, we're talking about values is having a baseline set of values that I, as you were talking about, Nathan, that having a set of values to kind of, to, to go back to, to filter our decision-making process through at the end of the day, if there are questions, if, you know, there's, there's been some type of an emotional roller coaster that's happened in the day, it's just really helpful. Um, I have eight in particular that I, I mean, literally have on, I'm looking at right now on the home screen of my phone, um, that just act as a point of centering, if you will. And right. so I, I think this is a great example for our listeners. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I, I love the, sim- the simple beauty and yet power of living by a set of values, letting those values drive the way that we function in our personal lives, letting that then trickle down to the way that we run our businesses. And it really can make all the difference in the world. And I, I appreciate you sharing that. By the way, um, I, I wanted to to see how this was communicated on a website. I know you've got a website for uh, the wedding business for Laura's wedding business, which, um, by the way, for everybody listening in again, is nlaweddings.com. We'll put that in the show notes as well. Do you have a website for your entertainment and photography as well? It's it's actually getting rebuilt this fall. So okay. we actually just started the process of it. So we actually took it down about a week ago and we're getting it redesigned. So uh, I, it'll be it will be NathanArmstrong.com when it goes up. We, we should have it up towards the middle to end of November. Okay, cool. Uh, but we've done a lot of, of new stuff uh, in the past year, a year and a half. So it, it was kind of time for a, a redesign. Oh, yeah. No, I, I totally get that. And there's something kind of fun about hitting the reset button um, on, on a website, too. Uh, but we'll go ahead and link to that in the show notes. So for those of you listening in, you may be listening to this a couple months later, and you'll be able to, to check out that new website as well. What I was getting to, though, is how you communicate these principles through your website. I don't know if that was something that you were doing previously or you had plans for that, but these are really powerful ideas. And ultimately, I think somebody's going to, I mean, when they finally have the opportunity to work with you and experience you living these out in your business, that's going to be the most impactful. But I'm wondering if you're going to be able to communicate those, those ideas effectively through your website as well. Yeah, I, you know, and I, and I think a lot of it comes through with, just showcasing the clients that we've been able to work with. Okay. You know, I think that these values, you know, when you go to somebody's website and whether it's a wedding website or another photographer that you want to, you're going to go and, and at least I do, I always look at their past clients and I want to see who they've worked with. And somebody that's had the opportunity to work with, you know, names like Google or Apple or Microsoft or, you know, big names like that, to me that communicates a level of, of trust and competency that these large companies that have a lot on their name sake uh, are trusting this person to communicate their brand. Yeah. And, 
you know, I, I think a lot of that comes through with, with those past clients. And then, you know, we also are going to do one of the things that we're going to highlight heavily on the new site is stories. And so more so than just putting, you know, a page full of images, we're going to have a story for almost every image. And so it'll be, you know, a, a photo of talent and, you know, they're on the red carpet and, you know, it'll say, hey, this was shot at this place in this place. And if there's a backstory to it, that'll be told too. Yeah. I'm a big believer in stories and, and, you know, the emotional connection that you have with a brand when you start kind of reading about the stories that they've been able to help create. And I, and I think that those two things kind of really communicate our, our values. That's interesting. I mean, your work can speak for itself. And again, for those of you listening in, check out Nathan's Instagram account. It's just Nathan Armstrong. And I mean, you see the, the types of artists that you're photographing and it does speak for itself. But at the same time, you know, when I think about websites and testimonials, it seems, honestly, I've avoided it on the Photographers Edit website, for example. Um, and, and I've had suggestions from my team. Or we, like, we've had conversations about putting testimonials on the site. And we have a few there now. But the idea of a testimony on a website, it, it almost seems in some ways contrived. And maybe I'm just a bit of a cynic, but it, you go to some websites and you're like, oh, they totally created that. It, you know, it looks like a stock photo and, and a little bit of text mm-hmm. to go along with it that they created. And it's, it's hard. It's just not believable. And the right. last thing that I want is anybody questioning the legitimacy of the testimonials. I want actual people to be speaking for themselves. But when you do something like you're describing, which is to tell the story behind the image. I mean, it's cool enough that you've got a picture of um, you know, some of these artists that you do here. And I mean, I, I'm looking at a, a picture of or from the Ryman Auditorium that you photographed. It looks like back in uh, a few weeks ago, back in August. And some other images here with, uh, I mean, Taylor Swift is, is standing there um, on the red carpet. And uh, you've got another one right here with Drake. And I mean, the list goes on. These are really, really cool. But then if you can attach a story to each of those, now it feels way more legitimate. It feels like, oh, he was there behind the scenes. He's, he actually knows what's going on. He was a part of this. And he's cool enough to have photographed Drake. Um, and, and that's, right. that's kind of cool. So I love that you're going to go in that direction and I'm sure it'll create a sense of legitimacy and, and also connection that you were describing, which is, is really good. I know that we spent for you listeners, we've spent a lot of time in this section, but there's certainly a lot of interesting things to talk about. We'll keep moving here though. And I'm curious, Nathan, first of all, how long have you been in business? We started, I started doing, uh, entertainment photography back in 2015. Okay. So, uh, it'll be, be five years next year. Cool. So you're relatively fresh to the game, but I'd, I'd be curious, and this is something that we ask most of our guests, what has been the most important lesson that you've learned or what would be the thing that you'd first share with a fellow photographer if you had the opportunity? I think in the relationships that we've had uh, with clients and, and, and talent and those things, for me, it's really just not being too good to ask for help or advice. And I've kind of learned that I make more good decisions if I'm willing to swallow pride and ask for advice than if I'm not. Mm. And again, you know, going back to creating those genuine personal relationships and, and Chris's episode um, on the Boca podcast, having those relationships is important in a work environment, but being able to go out to eat. I mean, I, I'm thinking of an example the last time we, we took a client out to dinner and, and it was in the middle of a shoot and we had a little break and we just went and grabbed a burger at Shake Shack and, and talked for a half hour. And th- those types of things are, are more exciting to me than sometimes a surface level work relationship because you feel like you get to know somebody. And, um, 
so I think creating those those genuine personal relationships and then and then not being afraid to ask for advice and and swallow your pride has has been kind of the, the two big things there. Well, and this is great. I love that you're mentioning Chris and shout out to Chris who um, not only communicated the significance of the relationship and what it takes to create that relationship, but uh, has been one of the few people since I've had them on the podcast who has made a concerted effort to keep in contact, even if it's just something as simple as um, it, commenting on an Instagram story that I post, for example. He mm-hmm. makes his presence known. Um, we've had a, a phone conversation actually just the other day. We're talking about a potential collaboration in the future. Uh, but he he means what he says. He's not just kind of spouting these ideas off. And right. it really is important at the end of the day to take the time. The cool thing is, if, if we're willing to kind of set aside our ego and insecurities and, and so forth, like the idea of getting to take a client out for dinner, sit down and have an actual conversation, um, it's actually a really great thing. It could be a lot of fun. And so we're technically working, but ultimately we're focusing on the relationships that will make an impact on our business for the long run, developing that trust that you were talking about, which is great. Asking for advice, uh, man, this is, a, this is a good reminder for me, certainly don't ever hesitate. And there's so much information out there these days, but to actually have an individual conversation with somebody and say, hey, what, what would you think in this particular case? Um, I actually just yeah. had the, oppor- the opportunity to do this um, in the last day or two with our operations manager who's got significant experience in the corporate world and was looking at a situation and said, hey, what would you say to this? Um, and it's nice to have somebody else's perspective in that case. So I think that's, that's a really, really great advice too. Talk to me about time. Um, and you're a newlywed, so this is particularly a poignant uh, point of conversation. But how do you and your wife create time for each other amidst kind of what can be the chaos of, of running a photography business? Uh, you know, it's been interesting listening to the the Boca Pod, and I've and I've probably listened to you know ten or twenty episodes since I, I I just recently have gotten tuned in, so I'm kind of in the process of going back and and listening to the backlog of it. Oh, cool. But, 90% of the, 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 the guests that you have mention block scheduling. Yeah. And it, it, that's, that's a huge thing for us. And so, you know, when we have an event to shoot or we have an edit that needs to get done quick or we have a client meeting, those things are absolutely blocked, scheduled. And then one thing that, that I do that's probably a little bit different uh, and, may, and maybe considered a little less organized is – I kind of block a sched- block out time in my schedule to accomplish to-do list tasks. And so I have a to-do list on my computer and my phone, and it's kind of sorted by priority. And yep. the things that go on that are like, you know, hey, I need to update, uh, change out a few photos on the website, or I need to send a handwritten note to this person, or I need to text this person back or email this person back. And those things are, you know, quick things. You know, I can knock, you know, five or 10 of them off in a half hour, but they don't necessarily need, uh, you know, a whole block of time. Uh, but, but that to-do list has been super helpful. And, you know, as I'm driving and, and thinking of things, I can have Siri put it on my list and that kind of thing. Uh, so I don't forget things as I think of them, but, yeah. but that's been super helpful. Yeah. The, the updates, I don't know if you've updated to iOS 13, but they, they updated the reminders app and turned it into a little bit more of an actual task and project management system, mm-hmm. which is really cool. I kind of want to experiment with it a little bit more, especially with the integration with Siri. I've been using Todoist, uh, which is a task and project manager now for quite some time. There is some integration with Siri. I think maybe with the shortcuts app, I can create additional integration potentially and make it easier right. 
um, to just speak the tasks in there. But I, I like the combination of time blocking with task and project management because uh, there, I, I think just the combination of that, the flexibility innate to that approach means that you are getting, you know, the task and project manager for me, um, partially one of the biggest benefits is a place just to kind of unload the things that need to be done. And right. I'm, that means that I'm not going to remember them. So the idea that I would schedule time for an individual task is not a reality. But if I can come back to that task list at a certain time and focus on knocking out a few tasks, as you pointed out, Nathan, um, I think that's a great thing. So the, the notion of time blocking for task management uh, is a really, really great idea. Nobody suggested that um, as of yet on the podcast. I think it's a great idea. One of the things that I have in my daily schedule, things have been more chaotic as of late, but is a time for focusing on three MITs, most important tasks. Those are tasks that are proactive on my list, that are proactive, that are going to move my business forward in some way. And I feel like if I can get at least three done in a day, even one or two really big ones, then that means that I have gotten something done that has moved my business forward. And then the rest of the day is kind of gravy almost. And um, I think it's a nice balance. We're not, you know, we're not time blocking in 15 minute segments and feeling like we need to work for 12 hours straight. Uh, But we have certain goals in mind for that particular day. We have time blocked for, for those various goals, including potentially a few tasks. And ideally those tasks are proactive in nature. They move our business forward. I think it's a great combination. It's a great, uh, great piece of advice for our listeners. Yeah. And, and you asked specifically about the, about, you know, the newlywed piece and uh, we've in Memphis and Tennessee as a whole, we've kind of noticed that there's, there's several husband and wife uh, photo teams specifically in the wedding industry. So I'll speak to that for a second. You know, one of the, the, the tactic that we use, you know, because we, we run the business together as a whole, you know, it's, it's really easy for us to go out to dinner and go on a date and, and talk work the whole time. Yeah. Uh, because we enjoy that, you yep. know, it's not, it's, and so one thing that we've done is, uh, we, we live in, in one of the suburbs of, of Memphis and we have a, a nice two mile walk path that we can do a loop to the house. And what we'll do is we go, we try to go on walks, um, at least once a day. And we'll designate walks as work walks or no work walks. (laughs) That's great. And so if, if it's a no work walk, work talk is off limits. And, and it really has allowed us, you know, because when you, when you aren't allowed to talk about work and a lot of times those things are, are forefront in our mind, it, it forces us to really ask, you know, how are you doing, you know, how are you doing as a person? Yeah. And, um, that's been super helpful to us, uh, and kind of getting us in, in the right frame of mind and that kind of thing, um, in, in the first year of marriage. So, well, I think, I think variety, I mean, you know, you hear that cliche phrase, variety is the spice of life, but I think it's the spice of a relationship too. It's what helps or part of what helps keep a relationship interesting. Um, I, I think I've alluded to Esther Perel a number of times here on the podcast, and this is certainly not a relationship podcast, but I'm, I'm fascinated by the philosophy that she brings to bear about relationships, particularly long-term romantic relationships. And if we want to maintain that excitement, that spark in a long-term romantic relationship, one of the things that will help encourage that is variety. So the idea that we're always kind of doing the same thing or talking about the same thing or doing the same thing, especially when you run a business together, um, that can, it may seem exciting in the time for the time being, but over the long run could potentially create um, some boredom and some frustration. And, and, and so having variety in the conversation, it's interesting. You point out the idea of having, making a conversation off limits to work. 
it, it for, yeah. what's interesting for me anyway, is it forces me to be a more interesting person too. Like if, if right. all I can do is speak to work and this is kind of one thing that I do all the time, how boring is that? How boring am I as a, as a conversationalist, as an individual to my significant other or to other people? And so it kind of forces me to be a better conversationalist, to show interest in somebody else um, in that way and make them feel good about themselves. But then also just to be a more interesting person that, that goes beyond business. So I actually have something to talk about. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, and, and we're, we're in the first year, so I, you know, I'm sure that there's a lot to learn, uh, obviously, <laughs> but, uh, but that's been helpful to us in, in the first year. So that's great. I, I think that's a really smart move. Um, certainly speaking from experience as well. Talk to me about a, an impactful business self-help book, maybe even a podcast that has been just has made a big difference in your life and or business in the last few years. Yeah, I, I kind of I had trouble picking one, so I've got three quick ones. Oh, that's great! You know, the first one is kind of a fun one. Um, so Bobby Bones runs; he's an iHeart Radio personality, and he has a talk show, kind of country based. He he lives in Nashville, and he just he started a podcast called Bobby Cast. And what he what the premise of it is is he'll have these artists or industry executives over to his house that he's become friends with through doing the radio show. Okay. And they kind of just have candid conversations and tell stories about the industry. And uh, it's been super helpful uh, just to kind of, you know, you you go shoot an artist and and you've listened to an hour podcast of him kind of just telling stories. You you, you feel like you can connect a little bit better to what they're doing. Interesting. And, um, you know, one, one of the best ones that I listened to recently, he had the C, I believe it was the CEO of Warner Music Nashville on. And he talked about the story of how Stapleton met Timberlake and how they did the CMA Fest performance of Drink You Away. I believe that was 2015. But but he goes in and tells stats about how much music they sold during the time they were playing that song live on TV. It, hmm. It's super fascinating. Yeah. So that one that one's a great one. And then and and, and just to kind of highlight what you're saying, you're ultimately yeah. talking about having additional context for the conversations, the interactions, the relationships that you're going to develop in your field, right? Right, right. That's Absolutely. huge. Yeah, and, and it's also, it's just, you know, stories to have in your back pocket when you go have conversations that people can relate to in the field too, yeah, um, yeah. Which, which is fun. So the second one is uh, the Dave Ramsey Show. And we, we've, my wife and I kind of use uh, some, not all of his uh, personal finance uh, stuff, but he does quite a bit of stuff on business as well. And kind of just the idea that businesses can start without debt Mm. and kind of his, his deal in that is slow and steady wins the race. And he talks specifically about gear, whether it be for a construction company or in our case, photography industry, you know, he says, you know, rent until you can afford to pay cash for the stuff that you need to buy. And that's been super helpful for us. um, Just as we've, you know, started the business, especially after we've gotten married and, you know, not had debt over our head and, and that sort of thing and, and been able to, you know, give and, and make decisions uh, without that. And, and that's been that's been a lot of fun. So I can imagine. And, and again, I speak from experience uh, here. The financial stress on a marriage can be debilitating. Um, and I know Absolutely. that's that's common knowledge, but it's when you actually experience it firsthand, man, it's really, really tough. So I, I love that you guys are prioritizing 
just a healthy financial life as a couple, I think that's going to make all the difference in the world. We'll link to both the Bobby Cast and Dave Ram- Ramsey websites in the show notes. And then you said you had a third one as well. Yeah, the third one is really just, um, you know, we talked about these values and, uh, you know, my faith plays a huge role in the culture that we established in the business. Yeah. And I kind of listened to several podcasts in this realm, but one of my favorites has been Passion City Church, D.C. And so, you know, Atlanta, uh, people have probably heard of Louis Giglio. He's kind of big in, in the in the Christian world. But uh, Passion City Church is one of their plants. Ben Stewart does their talks. And uh, it, it's been it's been really helpful as we've kind of established those values that we talked uh, at length about earlier. And is that a is it a podcast that they do or is it a like a broadcast of their? OK, cool. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a podcast. So it's Passion City Church DC is is what I search in the Apple Podcast app to find it. Nice. All right, we'll link to that in the show notes as well. I really appreciate you sharing those with us. Uh, let's shift gears a little bit though and talk about photography, more specifically, an unusual item in your camera bag. This has been a fun point of conversation, and I'd be curious if there's something besides a lens or a camera body or a flash that makes you a better photographer. Something you carry around in your camera bag. Yeah. So. I, I thought about this for a while and it's really the case itself. So we use hard cases instead of bags okay. and we had about a year ago, we had a, a company named Jason cases okay. make a custom case for us. And so we sent them all our gear and we overnighted it to them. They had it for a day, it measured everything and then sent it back. So it was gone for two days. And then it took them about a month to build the case. And it has every, we, we, we spent a lot of time kind of going through lists of things that we were going to need at shoots, whether that be entertainment or wedding. And it has a slot for everything that we would need at one of these shoots. So uh, you think SD cards, uh, camera bodies, flashes, uh, flash modifiers, the whole thing. And so it's got a specific slot for all those things. And we really wanted something that, you know, we could go to the airport because we travel quite a bit and turn over to Southwest and say, uh, you know, hey, we want to check this and not have to worry about, uh, you know, it getting thrown around and that kind of thing. And it's been a huge time saver for us as we prep for shoots because we can literally open it up. And if there's an empty slot, that means we're missing something. I, it was it was a it was a great investment that we made, and I would recommend uh, Jason to. And it was one of the best customer experiences that we've had. Wow! Uh, with anyone. Wow, that's a big so. statement. And I I pulled up their website as you're talking. JasonCases.com. Very simple, uh, and, and it looks very similar to Pelican. So, what's the difference between the Pelican case and being able to customize the foam in a Pelican case, and and what they do at Jason? So Jason does these and Pelican may have done this recently. Uh, I haven't looked at their stuff recently, but Jason does a overlay on top of the, the foam cutting. Yeah, I see that. And the over the overlay has the focal length of lenses, it has the name of the cameras, it has whatever the, the piece of gear is, it names it. Okay. And so everything has a certain slot and it's it's engraved with our logo and, and the whole deal inside. So you know you talk about showing up to a shoot and, um, you know, if we, if we show up, we, we've done this several times now, and if we show up to a shoot where we haven't worked with this particular client before and we open the case up and, you know, everyone's kind of ooing and aahing over the case. It just kind of gives you that first level of trust when you walk in the door, you know, besides you being competent, you know, it's like, okay, well, they, they have this and, and they wouldn't have it if they didn't know what they were doing. So it, it's been helpful to us in that way, too. 
Yeah. Well, and to your earlier point, the, the idea of being able to trust those cases as they're being loaded onto a plane, that's a, that's a huge, huge one. That's really great. All right. We'll link to those in the, in the show notes as well, jasoncases.com. And um, let's jump into kind of our primary topic for the day, which is centered around entertainment photography. And maybe just to kind of bring our listeners up to speed and, and give a little bit of context to how you see this genre of entertainment photography, will you kind of define that for us and explain what elements of it you're involved in? Absolutely. So I would define entertainment photography as capturing the people and elements and events that define our culture. Ooh, and like as that. a result, as a result, the images that are captured of those people or events can become culture defining themselves. And so the way that I like to illustrate this is, uh, you know, think of an award show, whether it be the AMAs or the Billboard Awards or the Grammys or the Oscars from the past five or 10 years. And think of an iconic moment. And, you know, everyone kind of has an iconic moment. They've thought about somebody winning this award or somebody, you know, ruining something about the show or a great collaboration. And then you think about it and the image that you have in your mind of that moment is a photo that somebody took of that culture defining moment. It's kind of the thumbnail, if you will, of that memory in your head. Yeah, it's true. And, and so again, as a result, the images that are captured can become culture defining. And so I've kind of been heavily involved in the music element of that, um, you know, award shows and concert tours and festivals. But uh, yeah, I, I kind of define it as the, as the capturing of people and events that define our culture. That's, that's really cool. I, I love the definition. Again, very succinct in the way that it, it describes a lot, uh, all in a relatively short amount of time. Pretty powerful definition. And then you're specifically involved in the music side of it primarily, correct? Are, are there other, any elements of it that you get involved in from time to time? Uh, primarily the music side of things, um, definitely everything is music related. So we've done a couple, uh, you know, we'll go on a commercial set and shoot some bills for the artists content wise, but, uh, the artists that, you know, have been there are, are always music artists. So, uh, music related, definitely. Okay. So what, what led you to this? And, and I know that, um, I, I want to get into the kind of the nitty gritty of the genre itself, but what was it specifically about music photography that drew you in, makes you want to, to focus on this particular genre? You know, I, I think I love being a part of something so massive, you know, there's something about being at the show, a moment happening, like we talked about, and knowing that you're one of the ones that the client entrusted with capturing that culture defining moment. And also at award shows and, and festivals specifically, you know, there's a huge team of photographers, uh, you know, whether that be Getty or whether that be the people that the, the actual promoter has hired that are absolutely incredible at their craft. And one of the things that I really like about that element of it is being able to go talk to these guys face to face. You know, it, it's, it, it's, you know, you follow these people on Instagram for forever and, you know, their work is, is unbelievable. And they've captured so many of these moments that you have in your head and being able to work alongside them and shoot alongside them. And then in a, go up and ask them, introduce yourself and, you know, ask for advice if, if there's time, you know, that that's one of my favorite parts of it too. Uh, but I think, you know, being at the show and shooting, I, I have a specific memory 
of a time when uh, I was shooting Coldplay at the stadium, Soldier Field in Chicago. And I was in the pit and we were shooting Coldplay, Coldplay and it started to downpour. Oh. And they were playing while it was raining. And I have some great shots of them playing in the rain with, you know, people's cell phones up in the air with the photo and with the lights on. And it's, it's moments like that, that, that I love. Oh man. Yeah. I, I'm so, like, I'm scrolling through Instagram, hoping to, to land on the image here. And so I can see what you're referencing, but that sounds incredible. And, you know, to your earlier definition, the opportunity to be involved in culture defining moments, such a powerful idea when you frame it that way. What, like, what's one of the big, besides the one that you just described, what's another big standout moment that you would even frame or label a culture defining moment that you had the opportunity to photograph? Yeah, I think, um, if, if we're looking at my Instagram here, it's a uh, May 1st post. Okay. And that was, it was the Billboard Awards this, this past year. And Taylor Swift opened it and um, had the opportunity to talk to some people who had watched her rehearsal prior to it and was able to really spend some time with our, with the photo team that I was working with there to kind of map out where we wanted to be in relation to the TV cameras. And uh, I just love the set of images that we were able to capture. Uh, and, and that kind of goes to the, the planning aspect of things, which we can talk about a little later, but that that's another big one for me. Yeah. Well, and we'll link to this post in the, in the show notes, but I've got it pulled up here and that first shot, it's almost like she is interacting with you specifically. Um, you definitely placed yourself in a, in a really great spot and there's a, a great series of images there. We'll link to in the show notes for everybody so that they can see how do you, how do you even break into the entertainment photography industry these days? Because I can imagine that there are plenty of people who would be like, yeah, I want to be their photographer. I want to be there shooting these concerts and photograph this artist. Um, so you probably have a good bit of competition. How do you even get into it? So we started a, and I say we, it was a buddy and my uh, buddy of mine and mine, me from college. And we started a publication here in Memphis in 2015 called 901 Music. And we took the live edit workflow that we had developed and applied it to our coverage of music events across the country. And so the goal was to go out and cover these huge pop shows and garner the fans that we, you know, kind of have follow us from covering those pop shows and then go back home to Memphis and cover smaller local shows in order to bring awareness to the Memphis music scene. Wow. And so we started that. And once the publication got to a certain size or following, we were able to pretty much cover any event that we wanted to cover um, when we applied for it. And so going to the events and shooting created opportunities for us to meet publicists and managers and creative directors. And those relationships kind of brought us into the world of, of, you know, doing it more frequently. So again, it's, it's the relationship piece, but I think for someone starting wanting to get into it, finding a publication or a newspaper or uh, a magazine in your town uh, that, you know, doesn't currently, or, or maybe is looking for a new photographer for events and, you know, trying to get press passes to go shoot them at, at the, you know, if it's a club show or if it's an arena show, uh, depending on your city, and then just kind of working your way up. And, and as you do that, you'll develop relationships that will that will lead places. But I want to get back to the publication. And by the way, for those of you listening in, you can also check out 901 Music on Instagram. It's just 901, the numbers, and then the word music. We'll link to that in the show notes as well. Again, some really great imagery there. 
when you when you started that, was the goal to kind of add value to the local industry? Is that was was that the driving factor? How did you? What was the motivation behind it? Yeah, you know, again, I, I say my my buddy and I were in college, and you know, I think I think there was that um, initially. I think it was just, hey, it would be fun to go shoot concerts, and then once <laughs> we kind of realized that we were that we were kind of okay at it, yeah we thought, Hey, this would be a great opportunity to bring awareness. We, we had several friends that were trying to, to break the Memphis music scene and, you know, they were playing smaller club shows and that kind of thing in Memphis. And, and as we were going out, at, you know, I think of a specific example, we went out and covered one direction at the, again, the stadium in Chicago and we garnered a ton of fans. I think we had uh, several million impressions from that show, from the guys retweeting stuff that we had posted and that kind wow. of thing. And we got tons of followers from it. And we came back and we, we covered one of the, one of our buddies shows in Memphis the next week and people were commenting on it and that kind of thing. And that was the point where we really realized that we, you know, had created something that could make a difference in Memphis. So is that still one of the biggest sources then of work for you is, is that brand? It is. It's a huge relationship builder for us. And, you know, we'll go out and, and, and I don't shoot a whole lot for 901 Music anymore. We have a photographer in Nashville, a photographer here in Memphis, and then a photographer in Birmingham currently oh, wow. um, that, that shoot for us in those cities. But, you know, it, it, it is a relationship builder for us. And um, it, it's been fun to, to use that as a relationship builder and then also bring, you know, people to, to see Memphis in a different light a little bit. But when you talk about relationships, though, I mean, if somebody literally has no connections whatsoever to the music scene, I mean, um, you know, maybe there's a second or third or fourth degree connection of some kind. But how who who would you recommend that they go to first? Because, again, I can imagine that if somebody has any idea where to go, they're going to that person. So that these these people, these connections um, are, are bombarded with wannabe photographers are like, I want to shoot this concert for you how how did they get started with these relationships yeah i would say you know again i would go and look for you know is there a newspaper is there a magazine is there some sort of publication is there an online publication or a blog okay in your city that you can go and contact and say hey uh, my name is such and such and you know i would love to cover such and such a show at um, you know whatever venue it is in your city coming up and you know see if they can request a press pass from either the venue or the artist uh, uh, publicist okay. yep and for you and then you can go shoot the shows and and that's primarily how i've seen people break into the industry and kind of have started to go you know I, i'm married and, and don't have a huge desire to go on tour uh or at least you know long tours and live on a bus for you know half the year but <laughs> right that's kind of how i've seen people break into the industry this way is is going and shooting press stuff and then you you build relationships with publicists and and artist managers and that kind of thing just by doing that so kind of like anything else you've kind of got to start small and and maybe do some stuff for cheap or free and then work your way up yep totally makes sense um talking about working your way up let's let's get into the a little bit more technical side of things here with the photography itself um, by the way, I have to highlight, since we're going to be talking about how to create a great concert photograph, I have to highlight a, a post that I've got pulled up from June 4th on the 901 Music account, this stunning picture of 70,000 people at CMA Fest with a, a kind of a blue hue from the lighting to it. It's just an absolutely incredible shot 
Um, so props to you all for that. And I think that's actually, it looks like it's your, your picture specifically too, but I'm curious to get your take on what makes a good concert photograph. And this is probably a pretty broad question. I know we have limited time. Um, but what would you say are a few elements of a good concert photograph as somebody is maybe trying to break into that industry? Yeah, I think the first is, and these aren't all settings to gear, uh, but you know, I, I think they're all very important. So the first one I would say is external elements. So if you're starting in a club show and I say a club show that that's like a 500 capacity venue. Okay. And so if you go in and you start at a club show, what I've found is that a lot of times you have these led lights that create color on the stage. And then you've got a stage wash, which is, you know, from behind that lights up the stage or those who are performing. Yep. And a lot of times the LEDs are daylight balanced and the uh, stage wash is tungsten balanced mm. in these, in these smaller venues, which leads to an interesting uh, shot. So, you know, early on, a lot of the stuff that we did was black and white because, you know, it was almost impossible to get skin, skin tone correct with two different white balances. So, you know, knowing that, and I always recommend people, you know, before you go shoot a show somewhere, go to the, go to another show there, uh, you know, buy a cheap ticket, go in and see what the lighting setup is and, you know, see how you want to tackle it. Uh, always having an idea before you go in is, is very helpful. And then gear, uh, you know, I, I hear a lot of people talk about when you want to break into photography, the easiest thing to do is just to grab whatever camera you have around the house, uh, even if it's an iPhone, just start shooting. And, and I definitely agree with that. But I think in the music industry specifically, you're shooting in low light a lot of times. And so you've got to have a bot, a camera body and lenses that can handle that type of environment. And so, um, you know, I've kind of got a list of, of gear that I recommend to people that ask me when they want to start out, but you know, things that like a full frame camera and lenses that have a lower aperture so that you can let more light in and that kind of thing. Those, those things are super uh, important. And then secondly, I would say access and trust and kind of getting beyond the photo pit or the soundboard. And so when you start shooting shows for press, like we talked about earlier, depending on the artist, you'll either probably be in the photo pit, which is right in front of the stage, or you'll be at the soundboard. And so kind of getting beyond those two things, because they'll approve, you know, 10, 15 photographers, depending on the artist for to shoot a show in each city. But you know, those 10 or 15 people, assuming that they have good gear, are going to get pretty similar shots. And so once you have that trust within those relationships, you can also get better access to get shots that other people can't get. And so a good concert photograph kind of goes beyond the photo pit, as I say, and uh, kind of has a little bit more access element to it. And then finally, uh, the third thing I would say is planning knowing the artists and songs I'm shooting, this is a big one for me uh, that I recommend a lot. You know, if you're going to go see an artist and, and you're going to shoot the show, know kind of their popular songs, you know, go on Apple music or go on Spotify and listen to five or six of their mo most popular songs and kind of get a vibe for it. Because chances are, if there's a drop in a song or, or, you know, starts to get upbeat, the lighting is going to change as well. So knowing the song when you go shoot is super helpful to you as a, as a photographer. And then I would say, um, if you can do a site visit beforehand, like I said, uh, you know, go to the venue, buy a cheap ticket, go see the venue and, and kind of figure out where you're going to be and what the lighting looks like. 
And then, you know, once you get into the award show or festival space, if there are opportunities for you to see the artist rehearse, like we talked about with Taylor earlier, that's even more helpful because in those environments, a lot of times you have moving uh, TV cameras. And so you've got to figure out where the artist is going to be. Are they going to start in the audience and go up on the stage? And where is the TV camera uh, or cameras? And you've got to work around them so that you're not in the TV camera shots. And so all these things kind of help you to see beyond the obvious and be better than someone who would just walk in the room with no prep. Yeah, because you I mean you make a good point. Somebody's just standing there in the pit can point their I mean, I have this new iPhone 11 Pro. It's an absolutely amazing, amazing camera. Laura, can, Laura bought one last week, and it's it's amazing. Isn't it crazy? Oh my goodness! <laughs> it is. Um, but they can point that, or you know, any number of of camera phone or phone cameras, I guess you could say, um, up at the stage and get a halfway decent picture. Uh, Jill, my girlfriend, and I just had the opportunity to see Sting and John Mayer in concert and, and a pretty oh, small, awesome. yeah, it was, it was great. They, they were both amazing, wonderful musicians, great performance, good presence on stage. Uh, but it was a pretty small venue and relatively close. And some of the stuff that I was able to shoot, you know, again, just with, and at the time it was just the iPhone 10 was, I mean, it's surprising how good these things are. So you do, you got to go the extra mile in order to, to create something that, that, the average individual with their fancy phone is not going to be able to capture. Um, I know that you, you referenced three points, the way that I I'm, I'm taking, I was taking notes here as you were talking, I actually wrote down four different things. So external elements, um, being aware of lighting. And I'm, I'm curious with that mixed lighting, I know that potentially that could be challenging, but doesn't it also kind of make the, the imagery interesting? It does, you know, it, it depends on your artistic uh, choice in, in, the editing process okay. uh, you know a lot of things you can fix in post you know we edit in lightroom specifically but you know a lot of things you can fix in post but i would encourage someone starting out to go look at some of the the photos that you know a big award show or uh, a big festival posts and kind of look and see what elements of those you like mm. and kind of try to develop your own style to it Okay. You know, our, our style, um, I say our with 901 Music is really kind of vibrant and colorful and, and those things. And, and kind of the, the thing that I hammer home with our guys is skin tone and skin tone above all else. We want the skin tone to be correct. Yeah. And that's just an artistic choice um, that I've made. Some people can go a little bit more out there with it, but I, I, I would rather turn something black and white than have the skin tone be off just, just personally. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. So lighting, being aware of the lighting. And I, I love that little note that you added earlier with the, the tie to music, that lighting is going to change and being aware of that's really great. But awareness of the lighting situation, taking the time to, to scout ahead of time, uh, being aware of the external elements. The second thing was the significance of gear. And you said you had a list of equipment that you would normally recommend to a, to a photographer, but I'm curious, what camera body do you particularly use? So we use, um, we use two, uh, we're, we're Canon. So we, we use 5d Mark fours. Okay. And then I also have a, like a Q2, oh, wow. um, we just bought about a month ago. And, um, I use that for a lot of backstage and red carpet stuff. Yeah. It's a smaller camera, so it's not as, uh, intimidating sometimes as you walking up to talent with a big DSLR with a flash on it. So it kind of allows you to get some more intimate shots that you wouldn't maybe normally be able to get. And then access and trust when you're, I mean, does this really simply go back to what we were talking about earlier, which is the development of relationships on an ongoing basis, or do you have to sometimes kind of work quickly? Cause I can imagine some of these venues you're shooting at 
um, you're seeing or meeting people that you haven't known before and may not even see again after that. Uh, do you have tips and tricks to, to developing a, a sense of trust very quickly? Yeah, I think, again, it goes back to knowing the artist. So um, I follow a lot of artist managers and publicists, sometimes even tour managers on Instagram. And so I kind of know what these people look like, uh, if that's not too creepy to say. And uh, you can kind of go up to them and, you know, if it's if it's a manager and it's a smaller band and they're there, um, you know, I've gone up to people before and said, hey, my name's Nathan, covering the show with 901 Music tonight. Great show. Love the atmosphere. Just wanted to introduce myself. Here's my card. If you guys ever need any content creation stuff, give me a shout. I'd love to bid for it. And that kind of thing. And then more practically, uh, if you're in the if you're in the pit, one of the biggest things that I always try to do is kind of just be kind to the security guards. Yeah. They're, they're in the pit and, and uh, you know, it, they obviously have to work most of the shows there. So chances are they probably don't like the type of music. Uh, maybe they do, maybe they don't. But, you know, going up and just introducing yourself. Hey, I'm Nathan. I'm going to be shooting. Let me know if I get in your way. I uh, want to stay out of your way as much as possible. Thanks for being here. And, you know, thanks for keeping everyone safe. And just that, just that initial, like, you know, saying, Hey, uh, really allows you to, you know, kind of get where you need to get. And somebody who is, you know, running in their last minute and, uh, kind of barging around and, and that kind of thing, uh, probably is going to have a lot, a little less luck than, than you, uh, taking the time to build those small relationships. Yeah. It's, uh, it's amazing to me. I, I think about doing the very thing you just did, the idea of thanking the security guard for what they do. Imagine how little they actually get that from people, and just making the extra little bit of effort to comment on the significance of what they're doing, it could literally change their evening. And then, and then they're going to make way for you um, to right. be able to photograph, which is just brilliant. So, and, and, you know, the great thing about this approach to relationships is that it can come from a genuine place too. I, I think it really is bothersome to me, honestly, the amount of just kind of surface level BS to, for lack of a better description that you see and, work interactions or business related interactions, including in our industry, sadly. I mean, I see it quite a bit and I just genuinely want to connect with people. And I, and I, it kind of drives me crazy when people aren't willing to go beyond that surface level and make an effort. And, and for me, it comes from a, a genuine place to, to connect. I want to get to know somebody or, or just have a conversation or be kind to somebody or help them out, whatever it is. And right. I think, I think regardless of the other person's response, if we maintain that value set consistently in the way that we engage with other people, it will make a big difference in the, in the long run. So I'm, I love that you point that out. Um, and then the, the last thing that I wrote down here was planning as a fourth element, knowing, knowing the artist, taking the time to listen to their work, the significance of how that might correlate with the lighting, I think is really, really great and understand ultimately who you are shooting. I think that's you know, knowing our subject, this is relevant to literally any genre that involves people in one form or another, knowing our subject, knowing, understanding the nuance of their personality or what it is that they do and being able to incorporate that into the photography. So important. Um, these are really great elements of concert photography, uh, and, and great advice for us, especially people like myself who don't know a whole lot about it, but props to you again for creating really, really beautiful work. Thank you for making time for sharing with the podcast. And just in closing one more time, if you don't mind sharing where our listeners can find you on social media uh, and, and online, that would be really great. Yeah, absolutely. We, we mentioned it earlier, but my site's getting rebuilt this fall, so uh, it should be up uh, mid to late November, but it will be NathanArmstrong.com. And uh, in the meantime, uh, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Nathan Armstrong. 
Perfect. We'll link to those in the show notes and a shout out to Laura as well and her brand NLAweddings.com. We'll put that in the show notes as well. Thanks again, Nathan, for making time for Boca. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Boca podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is Nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com.